Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Several years ago, I was going through a box of some old uh, just church memorabilia. There's some things that hang around, old boxes of photographs and books and files and papers from almost 70 years of Calvary's existence. And there was a photo directory. Back in the day, churches would kind of on a, I don't know, every three, five, seven years, they'd put together a booklet that would have mug shots of all the people who attended the church. And uh, back in the 1960s, not sure exactly which year, but there was, there was one of these books. And so we started kind of going through it. And um, it was fun because for some of the folks who have been around Calvary a long time, there were pictures in there of them from a long time ago. And God has been good to some of them over time. Like helped them to, to grow and develop in both their faith and their appearance. And uh, it was fun to kind of go through this. And I'm looking at, looking at the different ministries. Pastor at that time was Reverend J. Donald McManus. And uh, Brother Mac just passed away about a year ago and was a, uh, not just a champion of the faith, but he was a constant champion of this church. And I can remember I was going through there, and, and the, the custom was if you were the pastor, kind of the opening page of a photo directory, they'd have your, your picture right there, and then you'd write kind of an opening letter. And the letter was the stuff that you would just write, just kind of, you know, filler, you kind of say something nice, and you talk about the church and things that have happened, all that kind of stuff. There was a line in there, though, that, that gripped my heart. And I don't think it was just filler for Brother Mac. In fact, when I read it, I felt like it was, it was prophetic. And it resonated in me, and I think it's a part of what has been special about this church for almost 70 years. Brother Mac wrote there, we stand on the threshold of unprecedented opportunity. And that grabbed me for the church to say, God, we honestly believe that what is ahead of us is something powerful that you have for us. It is specifically for us, it is something you have never done before, and it is something unique you want to work out in the life of this church so you can accomplish your will in our community and in the world and in the spiritual world and for eternity because of what you're gonna do here. And that line has been like singed in my memory. We stand on the threshold of unprecedented opportunity. And I honestly feel like that's where we are today. For the last six weeks, we have been walking through what we've referred to as our life change initiative. Multiple things have, have been kind of in play here. One, one of the most tangible, the physical side, is that we believe that God is leading us as a church to take a new bold step of faith and expand our current facility so that we can have a larger auditorium to go. If you've, you've not seen the drawings, just kind of out the back of the church and add about another 34,000 square feet. We can show you the animation of that while we talk about this if you haven't seen it yet. And if you're a, a guest with us here today, we're honored that you're here. Today's a very special day for us as a church. We've been praying, we've been seeking the Lord, and today we're inviting you to be a part of this process to add another 34,000 square feet to our facility. It'll be a 1,400 plus seat auditorium and expanded atrium and will give us the opportunity to help more people to experience life change through Jesus Christ. And you ask, hey, why, why do we need this? Well, for one reason, at 10 o'clock, we're running out of room, amen? <laughs> and, and we know this because we're, we're packed here in auditorium one and there's hundreds of people in auditorium two and we have 
people in our chapel service as well. And God is allowing us to see more and more people come to Calvary to experience the good news of Jesus Christ. But in the process, especially here at this 10 o'clock service, we are running out of room. And so to be good stewards, and we'll talk about this here in just a moment, to be good stewards, we don't just say, well, that's good enough, or I'm going to play it safe. Instead, we say, God, if you've entrusted something to us, what do we do with this so we can do more with it? True? And so we're taking these steps of faith. Also believe that through this process, God is, this isn't about a building and then stepping back and saying, well, that was cool. Like this is about us being in a place where we can strengthen our trunk so we can extend our branches and reach out as a church and impact more people in Toledo and more people in Northwest Ohio and more people around the world as God allows us to extend our branches and be fruitful in many places. And here's the reason why. There are too many lost people, true? From, from 1951, what was beating in the heart of five families to today is that there's too many lost people and God has put us in a place to do something about it. So today is a special day for us. At the end of the service, we're going to make the pledges that we've been praying about to help to financially move this project forward. We're going to take a special offering at the end of this day today so that you and I have the ability to launch that pledge. The first part of that pledge we'll be able to give today in vision to see this move forward. We started this process about 40 days ago. We've been going through our 40 days of prayer. We've been reading through scripture together. We've been allowing God's word to speak to our hearts. We've been talking about how to find God's vision for not just our church, but even our individual lives. We'll look at that here in a moment. And we're gonna move forward in this. The next step as a church, after our pledges in the offering today, is that we are in uh, the, the process of working with our architects and our contractor and sometime in April then, we intend to have what will be kind of a final price, what they call a guaranteed maximum price, at which point, once we know what the building will cost, we're able to go to our lender, we're able to secure a construction loan, and from there, we're able to have the financial backing to move forward with this project and believe and pray that we'll have favor with the city and be able to move in a timely way so that we can break ground this summer and be able to hopefully be in the building come fall of next year. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Now, here's, here's a part of that whole process. Part of that process is in our constitution and bylaws as a church, anytime that there is the purchase of property, the sale of property, or when property becomes mortgaged, it requires the approval of, of Calvary's formal membership. So like those of you that have gone through the membership process, you've been through our membership class at some point, and every March, we have what we call our annual business meeting. Our Constitution calls for it to be the first Wednesday night in March. That's what, about 10 days from now is when we would typically have it. But because we'll have these numbers in April, and it will require a congregational or a membership vote to move it forward, our board has passed a corporate resolution that allows us to move our annual business meeting from the first week of March to April when we will have more information, and that way we only have to meet once. And everybody said... So that's, that's what this process will be. So every year at this time, we kind of do a formal announcement of when our business meeting will be, and it will not be in March this year. It's, it's going to be in April, and we'll communicate more to you. If you've been through the membership process, you'll be getting an email from us later this week that'll walk through some more of those details. And as we've been talking about this series, we've been talking about vision. We've been talking about God's vision for your life, and we've been talking about God's vision in the life of the church. And we've used kind of a, an image or an analogy throughout the course of this process, and the image that we've used 
has been that of a, of a tree. Do you remember this? All five of you. Yeah, so we've been, uh, we've been using this image of a tree. The idea kind of comes from Jeremiah chapter 17. It says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They'll be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Isn't that the kind of life you want to live? And so I want to know God's will for my life. I want to pursue his vision. And so this image of a tree helps us to do that. And we've been talking about this kind of, kind of in mind with the idea of the roots of the tree and how as those roots grow deep and, and move into the ground and allow the tree to be stabilized and nourished and healthy and grow, that it's through that that we're able to find God's vision for our lives and be able to fulfill it with, with all that we have. We needed a template for how we find those things. And to do that, we went to scriptures. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. How do you live for God? Well, you love the Lord your God, read this with me, with all your, and with all your, and with all your, and with all your. So we have these things here that we've talked about. We've talked about heart, and we've talked about soul. We've talked about mind. And today, we're gonna talk about strength. Now, each week, we've kind of given some principles or asked some questions, hopefully that have been resources or tools to help you to kind of think about God's vision for your life. We've also talked about it in the life of the church, and we've kind of identified each one of these four roots as we've looked at this. Like for starters, the idea of loving God with all your heart has to do with what's in the very center of who you are. Your heart is what is most important in your life. It is central to how you live and who you are. And for us as a church, at the very heart of who we are is God first. Amen? Like he is foremost. His word is the foundation of our lives. We seek for his Holy Spirit's interaction in our lives. We believe life change happens through relationship with Jesus Christ. So we start with God first. Your soul is what you're passionate about. It, it's what flows through you, if you will, and nourishes that whole tree. It's, it's your passion. And if we put God first, and if God loves people, then as a church, our passion is people. And if we're gonna identify this root the way that we describe it, is that people are the priority. When we come to this next root, we, we talk about our minds. It's where our focus is. And we talked about the idea of, of how do we thrive? How, how do we grow? How can we be fruitful? And when we talk about our minds, the, the way that we have identified this root is that healthy things grow. And we've talked about those things over the course of the last few weeks, and you can go, you can go back and you can catch those online on our website if you, if you missed any of those messages. We talked about heart, soul, mind, and today we're going to talk about strength. And before we identify this root and talk about what it means for us as a church, I want to talk to, to you for a few moments. What does it mean for you to think about strength in your own life, in God's vision for your life, and how all of that plays out? Because ultimately, what's the goal of the tree? The goal of the tree is to be rooted so that the life that's there can flow through the tree, so that the tree can grow healthy, and ultimately, so that the tree can produce fruit, Right? Isn't that the goal in the end? No, those, those don't look so great on there. Up close, they are remarkably accurate apples. They look a little bit like pieces of toast, actually. I'm not sure what that is. But the idea at the end of the day is that God gives us strength 
so that we can bear fruit. So the question I would ask you to consider, and let's, let's push, push thinking of the church aside for just a few moments. I'm asking you to think about your own life. The question is, how will you bear fruit with the strength God has given you? Look, God's given you strength in your life. So with that in mind, how will you bear fruit? Here's, here's why this is important. What you do with your strength matters. To every single one of us, God has entrusted something. And what you do with your strength, it matters. Let me give you a for instance. Not, not too long before um, Jesus experienced the crucifixion. In fact, according to the book of Matthew, one of the last teachings that he gives, he gives what we often refer to as the parable of the talents. Have you ever heard this story? It's a story of the, sometimes called a master, a ruler, a king, who's going to go away for a while, and, and as he does, he leaves some resources. Some Bible versions refer to them as bags of gold or bags of silver, kind of the, the, the uh, Jewish term at the time was talents. That was a description of the, the, the type of money that he left, and he left these talents with three different of his servants. One got five, one got two, one got one. They were kind of distributed, not equally, but according to how the, how the master knew them, and gave them these talents, and then he left. Well, what's significant is two of them took what the master had given to them and then reinvested those things, found ways for them to multiply and to grow. In fact, they doubled the investment that was entrusted to them so that when the master came back, they were able to say, here's what you gave us, and here's what we did with it. This was good news. The other one took what the master gave to him. He was scared that he might lose it, and he said, I know what I'll do. I'll play it safe. I don't want to lose this. So he took it, and he buried it in the ground so nothing could happen to it until the master came back. Well, the master came back, and he interacted with the two who had multiplied what was given to them, and here's what he said. His master replied, this is Matthew 25, verse 21, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that a great line? Don't you want to hear that someday? Here's what's interesting. He called them faithful. They were faithful because they were fruitful. They bore fruit. They took, if you will, the strength that was given to them, and they used it to bear fruit for the king's kingdom. Now, I understand the guy that buried his, because sometimes when you look at the challenges that are in front of you, sometimes when you look at the world that you live in, sometimes when you look at your own limits and abilities, you say to yourself, you know, I think I'll just play it safe. <laughs> I don't want to risk it. I don't want to lose anything. I'm not so sure I'm signing up for something difficult. I think I might be better off in this situation if I just play it safe. Here's what the king thought about the one who played it safe. Matthew chapter 25, verse 28. He says, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Take it from the one who played it safe and give it to the one who was fruitful. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does it matter what you do with your strength? Look, the, the things that God has given to you, he doesn't want you to sit on them. He does not want you to bury them. He is not asking you to play it safe. 
He wants you to take what he's entrusted to you and do something with it so that you can be fruitful for his kingdom. We are to be faithful so we can be fruitful so that God can use us in our lives and impacting the lives of others. So if that is the case, then what do I do with strength? Like, how do I, how do I think about this? If, I, if God's created me so I can be fruitful, how do I think about this idea of strength? Let me give to you three strength questions. Like these are some things that I think would be great for you to ask of your own life as you're considering like God's vision for your life, the season that you're in, the role that you're called to. Here's three strength questions to consider. Number one, what strength do you have? Number one, what strength do you have? And if you say, Chad, what are you, what are you talking about here? What do, you, what do you mean by strength? Well, this is your ability this is your ability. This is what God has given you the ability to do. Now, look, a lot of this series, we've been, we've been talking about money. I'm not talking about money here. Now, that may be a part of it, but I think this, this concept is a whole lot bigger than that. We're, we're talking about your influence. We're talking about your talents. This might be the platform that you have in your school, on your job, in your family, in the community. It's the gifts that you have. It's the connections that you've made. For some of you, the ability that you have in this season is to pray in a powerful way. For some of you, you have the ability to serve in a powerful way. Some of you bring experience to situations. You bring friendships that can make a difference. You have knowledge that can matter. The reason that we're doing this parenting conference in a few weeks, and you'll hear more about this over the course of the next couple weeks as we kind of launch a new series and talk about some of these things, the reason we're doing this parenting conference is because the ability that some of you have right now is to invest into the lives of your kids and your grandchildren. Look, this matters. And so it's important for you not to just kind of put life on autopilot and cruise control your way through your existence. Like what strength has God given to you? What ability do you have? Which leads to the second question, number two, what difference can you make? Number two, what difference can you make? And this is your opportunity. When we talk about what difference can you make, what we mean is what opportunity do you have in front of you? This is your opportunity. Paul says it this way, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. When you ask yourself, what difference can you make? What we mean is this. What, what is your opportunity? This is your opportunity in front of you. And for some of you, it's, it's easy. Again, we talked about this to kind of just cruise through life. But if God has given you a strength, an ability of some kind, where has he put you so that you can use that for his kingdom? See, I honestly believe this, that no matter who you are, no matter what season of life you find yourself in, in some way or another, God is looking to you, and he's saying that you are in the right place at the right time, and he's created you to be the right person to make a difference in some way for him to take your strength and ability at this moment of opportunity and somehow be able to bear fruit for him. Does that make sense? So look, oftentimes I think I, I, I go through life and I, I kind of don't think about the opportunity that God maybe has, has brought. For some of you, when I mentioned ability and opportunity, you went, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know what season I'm in. I know what God's called me to do on the school, in the school, on the job, in the church, in my community, in my family. I know where I'm at. And for some of you, it was a light bulb moment. For others of you, you just go, ah, I don't know what kind of opportunity I have right now. 
And honestly, my encouragement to you would be to recognize that every day when you wake up, what if you were to say to God, today, God, what is the right time and the right place where you've called me to be the right person to use the ability, the strength that you've given me so that I can be fruitful for your kingdom? If I would get in the regular habit of saying to myself, probably early in the day, God, will you help me to recognize when I'm in the right place at the right time to be the right person to accomplish your purpose? Don't you think that would change your perspective? Because, yeah, that might hit you in the grocery store. It might make you think different about your road rage. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Right, it might change things that you say on the job or the attitude that you have with your family. See, in some way, God has called you in the right place, at the right time, to be the right person, to use his strength, because there's an opportunity for you to be fruitful. So we're talking about ability, we're talking about opportunity, and let me get to the third one, because I think this one makes a world of difference. The third question is, how will you use your strength? Number three, how will you use your strength? I don't necessarily mean that in a physical sense or even in a spiritual sense. When I ask that question, how will you use your strength? If, if the first question talked about ability and the second talked about opportunity, this third one, this is, this is your attitude. How will you use your strength? What attitude will you have as you step into this? Because for some of us, we, we know where we're gifted and we know where God would want to use us. It's our attitude that keeps us from being fruitful. You say, Chad, how do you know that? Well, I know that. <laughs> Somebody chuckled, like, well, knows that because he knows some of us. That's why. <laughs> no, I, I read in Philippians chapter 2 this week in our 40 days of prayer. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says this Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Isn't that a great verse to read to somebody else? <laughs> Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. See what he says? When you, when you recognize that God's given you a strength and ability and that you have the opportunity to be the right person in the right place at the right time, and when you do it with the right attitude, he allows you to shine like stars in the sky. He helps you to be fruitful, but your attitude can, can keep you from being fruitful in your life. True? Like you, you get a tree that experiences some kind of poison or toxin, what eventually happens to it? It dies and its fruit gets nasty. But if you have that right attitude, then something healthy happens in your life. Some of you have probably been to one of our new people parties. Several times a year we do these events for folks that are new to Calvary in the last year or so, and, and usually on a Friday night, and we have dinner together, and it's, it's always a fun time. It's kind of one of my favorite times, except for one night. And I'm sure it's not the one that any of you were at. But there was one night when it had been a really busy week. It's Friday night. And I was up in my office and I looked at the clock and I was like, ah, oh, man, I still got a lot to do, but it's time to go downstairs. And so I walked out of my office and I closed the door and I hit the stairwell to come downstairs for the new people party in the CSM auditorium. And I was on my way down the stairs and I thought to myself, this is at the top of the stairs, I thought to myself, I really don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing this right now. It's been a long week. I got to go in there and act happy. (laughs) 
yeah, there's Chick-fil-A, that'll help. But honestly, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered to me about stair 12. There's 30, right? About stair 12. (laughs) Happens quick. But reminded me what a special opportunity this was. That I had the opportunity to go in and talk to people about not only what God is doing at Calvary, but hear how God is working in their lives through Calvary and share with them the opportunity that they have to connect, grow, and serve. That I honestly believe that being a part of what God is doing here in this church could be life-changing and transformative, that people could develop relationships that are gonna make their life richer and people could have an opportunity to be fruitful and fulfilled in what God has called them to do and that even just being a part of what God is doing here could literally bring life change to their lives and for some, introduce them to a relationship with Jesus like they've never had before and all of a sudden I went from I have to do this to I get to do this. Like I'm so thankful that God helped my attitude somewhere from the top of the stairs to the bottom of the stairs and I'm glad he did it without me having to trip down the stairs, right? Because somewhere I had to say, this attitude that I have right now is not gonna allow me to use my ability and this opportunity to make a difference and be fruitful. I've gotta do something about my attitude. Like I'm not a victim. I don't have to do this, I get to do this. Like I get to be a part of what God is doing in his kingdom. You get to be the right person in the right place at the right time because God has given you the right strength and ability so that he can accomplish his vision in your life so that you can be fruitful and make a difference for his kingdom. That change in perspective means everything, doesn't it? That's why for us, when we talk about this fourth root as a church, when we talk about our strength, the way that we refer to this is that we get to do this. We're not victims. We don't have to do this. We get to do this. God has invited us to be a part of the most important institution in all of eternity. He's invited us to be a part of the church. We get to do this. So what I want to do in these next few moments is take those same three strength questions that that we just asked you about, and I want to turn them and talk about the church for a few moments. If we ask those same three strength questions about what strength do you have and how do you use it and, and, and what's the opportunity that's there, as we ask those same three questions, I want you to see what that means to the church. The the first question is what strength do we have? For us as a church, what what strength do we have? And can I tell you very simply, here's the answer. Number one, we are the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ, which means, and we're, we're we're gonna dig into this in just a moment in the second question, but it means that we have such incredible opportunity. But here's what I want you to know about this before we move in further, because we're talking about strength here, right? What strength do we have? The strength is that we are the church, and just so you know it, you are the we. Like, in fact, if, if, um, if, you're, if you're taking notes, you might want to scratch out you are the we and just kind of write I are the we. Well, your English teacher won't be happy about that, but you know what I mean, right? Because it's you. This, this isn't the kind of thing where you, you sit back and you go, ah, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do their part. Somebody else will make it happen. Here, here's what Paul said, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. From him, speaking of Jesus, the whole body that's the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, comma, as each part does its work. Are you part of the church? If you're part of the church, then you and I have the opportunity, according to this verse, we have, we have the responsibility to do our part to move the church 
forward. It's not up to somebody else. A friend of mine asked me this week, he said, he said you, you, you've been talking about to people like if you consider Calvary your home church and, and, and kind of gave this quizzical look like I don't live there, right? It's, it's not my home church. Like, like what does that mean when you say that? Well, if somebody were to ask you like where do you go to church and if you were to say Calvary, if this were to be the place where you would look to connect, grow, and serve in your, in your walk with Jesus and your relationships with others, then we would call this your home church. If you call Calvary your church, then let me encourage you. You're a part of what God is doing here. And each one of us plays a part. We, we get to be a part of this. We stand on the threshold of unprecedented opportunity. And God has called us to this. We are the church. And together, we have incredible potential and power to think about how God might work through us to literally change the world, which takes us to the second question. The second question is, what difference can we make? If we are the church and that's our strength, then we have to ask, what difference can we make? In what way, and this is, this is our opportunity, right? In what way are we the right people, in the right place, at the right time? And here's what I would say to you. Number two, what difference can we make? <laughs> the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. Does our world need some hope? Now look, that, that's kind of a buzz phrase. The church is the hope of the world. It sounds good when you say it, and it, it looks good on banners at conferences and t-shirts and bumper stickers. I want to show it to you straight from Scripture because I think it goes a whole lot deeper than a buzz phrase. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. We, we read this the week before last, right? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says this, speaking of God's plan, his intent was that now through the who? The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Like Paul says so much here about the church. This, this is a theologically rich chapter of scripture. This is a packed portion of a few verses. Let me show you a couple of highlights that are here. One of the things that's important for you to recognize is what happens in the building reaches far beyond the walls. Look, when we talk about being the church, it's not just a building. It is a body. It is a group of people, believers in Jesus Christ, right? You get that, right? But what happens when we come together, and this is key when we talk about expanding and, and building a facility, it's not about the walls of the facility, it's about what happens inside the walls of the facility, because what happens in there has to reach out and impact our community. Like because of this new building, we believe that Mommy and Toledo will be different. We believe that it's gonna give us the opportunity to continue to impact our community in powerful ways. We believe that because of this, Local missions and outreach will be better because of what God is doing at Calvary. Look, unless, uh, unless something's different, Lord willing, there are two young men from Calvary that before this year's over, they're going to be heading towards Africa to pursue a lifetime of mission service. That's because what happens in these walls impacts the world outside these walls. Does that make sense? So it's important for us to see that, and this is what Paul's writing about here. He says that this is all spiritual. He says that through the church, God makes his wisdom and his plan known to rulers and authorities. Rulers and authorities. He's not talking there about mayors and governors and presidents. When he talks about rulers and authorities, he means in a spiritual sense. And theologians kind of go back and forth on exactly what is he talking about there? 
And I read some theologians that said, when Paul writes about rulers and authorities, he's talking about angels and heavenly beings. And when I read another theologian, he said, when Paul talks about rulers and authorities, he's talking about demonic and evil forces in the world around us. And I read another theologian that said, well, some theologians say it's the good guys. Some theologians say it's the bad guys. I just say yes to both. Anybody else okay with that? <laughs> like, I don't know that I have all the answers. Here's what I know, that when the church does what it does on the ground, in the heavens, God is saying, this is how I'm doing my work. I'm accomplishing my purpose through the church. The physical church makes a spiritual difference. And you know that the spiritual world is the real world, right? What lasts forever are the things that we cannot see. The things that we see, they're just a shadow. But the real world is what we cannot see. And in that spiritual world, when the church does its work, when the church does its physical work, it makes a spiritual difference. Not only is it spiritual, but it's eternal. Like Paul talks here about how what God did through Jesus Christ in bringing salvation to you and I, he's making known through the church. It's through the church then that what God envisioned for the redemption of mankind, that it actually makes a difference in people's lives. God's vision becomes reality through the church. Do you think we have an opportunity? Like we are the right people in the right place at the right time to do God's work so that people can find, well, we'll look at this. He goes on to say that through him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you know how many people have no freedom in their lives? And do you know how many people have no purpose or meaning or confidence in their lives? But because of the work of the church in announcing what God has done through Jesus Christ, it impacts people's lives. See, we are agents of freedom and confidence. We've been called by God to bring life change to other people. Somebody asked me a couple times, actually, throughout the course of the last few weeks, Pastor, you really think we need to do this thing? Do you really think we need to build this building? I'll tell you, I... I don't know that I can answer that in any other way than to say I feel like God has said, don't just play it safe and bury what I've given you in the ground. You take those steps of faith. Do what God has called you to do. I remember when we were in the process, this would be mid-2010, we were in the process of buying this building. I've told this story before, but um, we, we were um, coming to have kind of our first formal tour when we found out the building was up for sale and God began to put some things into our hearts about possibly buying the building, there was a group of our pastors. We came and bought, bought a ticket to a movie and we watched the movie and then afterwards we just wandered around the building as much as we could without getting busted, right? <laughs> just trying to figure the place out. But we couldn't go upstairs at all and we couldn't really see behind the scenes. We couldn't really see kind of the bones of the building. So as we got more serious about it, we lined up a, a, a meeting and we were able to come for a tour and the, the theater manager was so gracious to us through the whole process and he met us and he said, hey, just, just park in the back, meet me at the back door and then I'll, I'll walk you through. So there was a group of our pastors and our, and our board members and so we were kind of uh, parked in the back and we all waited out there until everybody got there and then we were walking in kind of like a whole posse, you know, just kind of moving into the building and as we were walking in through the back parking lot, one of the guys looked at me and they looked up at the building and he just said, man, that's a big building. And I immediately went to, yeah, it sure is. <laughs> and I started thinking about parking lots and HVAC units and roofs and flooring and utilities and seats and old popcorn and chewing gum on the bottom of the seat that you're sitting in right now. 
I got to start thinking about all those things. And I thought, sure is a big building. And then he said, with a building that size, can you imagine how many people could come here and experience life change through Jesus Christ and find hope? And I just went, well, that's probably a better perspective. (laughs) I've thought about it a lot since then. In fact, I was thinking about it just in the last couple weeks. I don't know this for a fact, but if I remember right, right about the spot that he and I had that little brief exchange, is right about the spot where, Lord willing, there'll be a new auditorium in about a year and a half. Because God saw from the very beginning that there's too many lost people And that we have an opportunity to be the church, to be the hope of the world. Which leads us to the last question for us to consider here. How will we use our strength? Like, what's our attitude in this, right? How are we going to use the opportunity and the ability that God has given to us to be the church, the hope of the world? And number three is this. We get to do this. We're not victims. We don't have to do this. But the creator of the universe has invited us to be a part of the most endeavor and the most important endeavor in all of history. We get to do this. We get to serve. Look, you, you can be a part of making a difference here at Calvary. And if you're not involved in some way, can I tell you, I want to invite you, find the place where you can be fruitful and fulfilled. We get to serve and be a part of what God is doing here at the church. In the midst of this, this initiative over the last few weeks, we had the opportunity to sit down with some folks from Calvary and just talk about what God has done in their lives, what God's doing in the church. It was a really important conversation, and I would love for you to hear some of it. If you would, please turn your attention to the screens. I think when we moved here, that there was this realization of, if God's gonna give us this opportunity, we can't, we can't let it pass by. And there was a whole, I think, change of heart of God's, God's literally entrusting people to our care and we need to love them. If the leaders of the, those ministries didn't take on that responsibility, I don't know that we would have had the same experience here. And now, you know, we get the opportunity to have the responsibility for other people, so. Having like been in the children's church and then now having a child down there and seeing how things have adapted and grown, really like what strikes me is the way that the core of like our purpose has stayed the same. That the core of this church is focused on the Word of God and reaching people's hearts. And I've watched that just become more and more and more important. That's, that's the whole thing. I don't want people to be overwhelmed or feel like, you know, this is just such a big church, nobody really cares about me, because we do. We care about everybody. You know, you get plugged in, you get to know people, and then the church doesn't seem so big and mm-hmm. you don't feel lost. If you're new to the church and you're, you don't know a lot of people, I mean, the best way to meet people is get involved. Mm-hmm. Get on a team someplace because you're gonna meet those people. Like you're talking about somebody new that comes into Calvary. If you don't know, there's a danger that you walk in and go, this big church has all their needs met, you know, people-wise, when actually, man, there's, there's, no, there's no ministry where we go, we just got too many people. You know, there's a million excuses to say no, 
but once you get involved, you meet people, you have a more interpersonal connection with people, especially in a bigger church. It makes your church smaller, but also how rewarding it is. You, you get more than you give just because you're you know giving God's love and you see that. Everyone has a story and we walk into church in the beginning and we have a mask on. But what I have found is that through time here, people have been able to pull out the real story and bring healing. God has put a vision in this church to reach more. And if we don't grow, we're not gonna reach those people we should. Uh, God has his hand on our church. Yeah. And for him to take us to this new auditorium, it's just like his plan, you know? It's just like his plan. To me, this is just, you know, the next exciting chapter in Calvary's history, and, and uh, there's just great opportunity awaiting us. You have to come to a point, there's a step, and that's called ownership. You know, we went through a tumultuous time, and we didn't know where our tithe was gonna come from. But we continued to tithe at our previous level, although I didn't have any income. God was faithful. It just, I think about the times in our life when we, whether it's like a radical step of <clears throat> obedience or just like, it doesn't sound really exciting, but it, it comes with a little bit of mess sometimes and with some sacrifice. Um, but I think about that in our marriage and in our family and every time we've done it and the way that we come out stronger at the end of it, it's just really cool to see what God does, you know? Absolutely. And um, not because it's always easy, and not because it's always comfortable. It's just cool. When you look back, you see God where sometimes you didn't feel God. Yes. <laughs> like you're like, okay, God, where are you in this moment? And then when you look back, you're like, wow, he was right there and we didn't see mm -hmm. it. It's, it's really a matter of obedience. Mm -hmm. And Charlie, like you said, when that Holy Spirit prompts you and you act on it, it doesn't always feel the greatest, but there is a sense of peace mm -hmm. when you are obedient. Yeah. It's our church. It's our people. And it's Christ guiding us. This is not just a church. It's your church. That's right. And you're doing this to reach people. I, I, it, he's always had the hand on our church. And I think he's going to use our church because we're in such dark days and there's so many lost souls that they have to go someplace. They have to go someplace. I'm greatly encouraged that God loves this church. And he's gonna be faithful to see other people come to be a part of that. It's because reaching people is important. We were comfortable some at Calvary. <clears throat> and it's pretty cool to be comfortable now, but God's not comfortable till one more is found. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> there's a lot of lost people still. and. Christ died for them, and we need a seat for them to hear about him, you know? When we say we get to do this, what do we mean? We mean we get to serve, and we get to give. You know, throughout this campaign, we've talked quite a bit about our finances, because an initiative like what we're talking about will not happen without the resources to move it forward. And so 
Over the last few weeks, we, we talked about the plow principle, how we pray and listen and obey and watch what God will do in our lives. We've, we've talked about a commitment to honoring God with our finances through the tithe and in, and in supporting missions and being a part of this. We've asked you just simply to pray, and we trust God with this process to stir in our hearts what he would have for us to do. For some of you, to, to make a pledge to an initiative like this, this may be the first time you've ever done anything like this. Maybe even to take a step of faith to hear what God might be speaking and I would encourage you, it's funny, I was talking with a, a friend after one of the services, and, and, he, and he said to me, you know, you're talking about this plow thing. Well, I started to pray, and God didn't just talk to me about money. He talked to me about a whole different area in my life, and it put me in a place to be able to hear what God is saying. Look, we honestly believe that God is working in our lives. And some of you may have had a bad experience in the past with a church and money. And our hope as leadership is that you'll understand and see what God can do as we trust him in these seasons, see, you're giving to God and not to a church or a project. Like as we give, we're doing it because we're, we're giving it to God, not, not just to see a building come up. That's why we haven't asked you just to be passionate about brick and mortar. We've asked you to be prayerful about what God would have you to do. See, it's not about how much you give, but how much you obey. See, God doesn't measure this by the amount, and that's really important. Because for many of us, it's easy to go, well, I can't give like somebody else. Or whatever I can give, what difference will it make? See, at the end of the day, it's not about the amount. It's not about how much you give, but about how much you obey. And say, God, what would, have for you, what would you have for me to give? And understand this. This was something that like, like clicked in my brain. Your giving is vertical. But like, you're not giving this to other people. You're, you're not giving this to Chad. You're not giving it to Calvary. You're not just giving it to a, a building We've asked you to pray because as you give, your giving is vertical because you're giving it to God, and then the fruit is horizontal. That as you give to God, he's able to use those gifts to bear fruit. We, we believe that God is strengthening our trunk so we can extend our branches. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We get to serve. We get to give. Please don't miss this. We, we don't get to just show up for some social time on a Sunday we don't get to just kind of hang out with our friends. We don't get to just do something before we you know, go to breakfast and then go back home for our Sunday afternoon nap. Can I get an amen for those naps? That's the most passionate you've been all day. It's Sunday afternoon nap. Some of you have started already, I see. And uh, you know what we get to do? We get to change lives. Like what we do as a church introduces people to Jesus Christ and as a result, he is glorified and their lives are changed. In fact, to the point that there may be some of you in this room or an auditorium too, or you're watching this on a screen somewhere and as we've talked about hope, as we've talked about peace, as we've talked about the difference that Jesus can make in our lives, you've said to yourself, I need that in my life. Well, Jesus came to be your savior. That means he's the one who forgives our sins. And he came to be your Lord, which means he gives purpose and meaning and direction to your life. And if you will simply say, Jesus, I give you my life, that begins a journey that can change everything for you. 
It can change your eternity. Friends, this, this that we're talking about here, we get to do this. When, uh, when the architect sent kind of the original renderings, the first kind of real batch of real pictures our way for us to see so that we could start printing them and putting them out for you to see as well. The day that they came, our family was on vacation in Arizona. I think several weeks ago, I talked to you about this and about how we had taken some hikes and climbed some mountains and that kind of stuff while we were there. Well, on this morning, just before we went out, we were eating breakfast and uh, the email came. So we opened it up to take a good look at the pictures. We had to kind of review them and and give some thoughts back so that we could get them ready to share with you. And the pictures came up. And so our whole family kind of gathered around a laptop and took a look at the pictures. And everybody was so excited to see them. Everybody was so excited to see them, (laughs) except me, because I wasn't excited. I was overwhelmed. You ever been there? Everybody else was like, oh, that's so cool. That's going to be so great. And I just went, oh, that's so big. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be difficult. And there's some risk attached to this. And I don't know how this is all going to play out. So we finished looking at the pictures, and we finished breakfast, and we hopped in the van, and we went to Cathedral Rock. This is the the hike I told you about several weeks ago. It's kind of one of the most iconic um, spots in the Sedona, Arizona area. Here's a picture of what it looks like kind of from a distance, and, and uh, that, the, the gap that's kind of in between. the two, There's the two big chunks you know, there, and then there's the gap in between where that little spire is. That gap is 500 feet up. And we had seen it the night before from a distance, which meant my children said, we must climb it tomorrow. So we decided to climb it, and we got there, and we looked online about what, what, you know, how to get there and what you have to do and this kind of stuff. I failed to note at the very beginning of the description, it said, hike is difficult. Oh, thanks, I missed that part. Right, and so we started kind of making this hike, and we started going up, and I thought I'd show you some pictures of, of like we stopped and took some pictures in some spots of our family along the way, but just about every picture that I thought I could show you, I'm standing in it like this, because I'm trying to catch my breath. There were like these moments when I felt like my lungs were just going to burst out of my body. Do you know what you're talking about? And I am a top physical specimen, as you can tell, right? And so we're, we're doing this, and I'm like, man, am I struggling here? There were a couple of spots where literally I just thought, I don't, I don't know that we can do this. There's a couple of spots where I thought to myself, I don't know that we should do this. Like there's this, there's this one place where it's almost, it, it's at such an angle that it feels like you're going straight up and there's just kind of this crevice in, in the rock there and you just kind of got to work your way up there and there's people coming down at the same time and some of these people don't look so good as they're coming down. And you're saying to yourself, I don't, I don't know that I should do this. I don't know a good idea. And then this young couple came through with their dog and like scampered up it and I was like, well, if your dog can do it, I can do it. Right, and we kept just kind of working our way up. There's a couple spots where it was far too close to the edge for me. I'm not an on the edge kind of guy. It was far too close to the edge for me. And then, and then as we got to the, the top, it, it's kind of getting narrow and narrow and you get up there. Finally, this is a picture of our family up at the very top there. That, what looks like a real thin strip of rock is a real thin strip of rock that's thinner than what you see. My children, over and over again, decided to test my prayer life as we're up there, right? Getting closer and closer to the edge. It was difficult and it was risky, 
And can I tell you that when I got up to the very top, it was so worth it. Like to get up there and to see that view, like that, that picture that you just saw. We're 500 feet up in the air. That picture's taken by a drone that was flying out there, hovering 500 feet and took our picture. Like that, that, that whole climb, it physically stretched me. Can I tell you, it may be difficult. I thought about quitting from time to time. And it may be risky. But have you learned that anything of value usually involves some risk? Anybody? And can I tell you, it is worth it. Remember that morning, I'd seen the pictures. I felt overwhelmed. Climbed that mountain, and I can remember I got down to the very bottom, and we were, we were done, right? I'd lived. I had lived. Thank you, Lord, I had lived. And we got down to the very bottom. and was standing there, and I thought to myself, oh, I'd do that again, right? You know, you have that thought. It was difficult, it was risky, but you look back and you see it and how much it was worth it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, Chad, you know those things you're overwhelmed about? You can trust me with them. I didn't tell you it wouldn't be difficult. I didn't tell you it wouldn't be risky, but I did tell you it'd be worth it if you would trust me. As Calvary's leadership, we're inviting you to join us in this life change initiative. And look, I know that there may be moments through this whole process for us as a church that may be difficult and they come with some risk. But can I tell you, there are already people that God is working in their hearts so that someday they'll sit in a new auditorium and experience life change through Jesus Christ. And then we'll say it's worth it, won't we? Because church, we stand on the threshold of unprecedented opportunity. So look, many of you came in today and you, you have these cards that we handed out last week ready to go. If you have one, will you pull this out? If, if, you, if you got one today, we're gonna take just a moment and, uh, and, and fill it in real quick. I'm gonna pause for just a minute and, and do this because like, like me, some of yours may be blank. So I'm gonna fill mine out real quick and we'll, we'll just kind of walk through this. There's a spot there that says name. In the last service, I said, there where it says name, you know what to write. The guy on the second row yelled, Chad. <laughs> He's not funny. And then go ahead and you can put your address down there as well. I think we've shared before, but this is not so that we can come to your house and collect. Right? This is just a part of the record keeping process. And I also think this is all good because it puts us in a place of accountability before God, right? You can put that contact information down there of your phone number, your email. We don't pass those things along to anybody else. Those aren't for solicitation. Those are simply for our church records and communication about progress on this endeavor. And then there's a signature there. We ask you to sign this not because this is a legal document, but we ask you to sign it because it, it, it puts me in a place when I sign something to recognize that this is important. This is sacred. This matters. And then you put the date down there. And then off to the left there where it says to your commitment. Before you um, fill that in, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads or close your eyes for just a moment. And just to just... I take a moment, confirm in your heart, God, what are you asking me to do? God, what are you asking us to do? Remember, we're praying that God would lead us to write there not just what we can do, but to put there what he can do. How God wants to work. I know 
for Rhonda and I, we've talked about this. We've looked at our finances. We've, we've prayed about what God would have us to do. And then together with that number, we write it. We say, God, what, what do you want to do through us? Not just what we can do, but what he can do. I invite you to go ahead and just kind of write that there. And then that next line says, to begin my two-year commitment, I'll give an initial offering in the following amount. If you came today and you were ready to give in, in some way to begin that pledge that you've made, you can write that there as well. Maybe you've already done this online. I know a lot of people have, and if you've done that, thank you. If you're watching today, you're able to go out to our website, and you can give online. You can make that pledge online, um, and, and some of you already have the card ready. Um, some of you also have something ready for, for the offering for today. I know we do as well. And in just a moment, the ushers are going to come, and they're going to pass the offering. When they do, you can drop both the pledge card and your gift in there today. You can give online as well. You can stop by the hub and, and drop one of these cards in an offering as well if you need to, to talk about it or pray about it again today. We'd love for you to do it this week so we can announce next week to the congregation how we believe God is leading us in this in the future. But before we give, I want to pray. And then the ushers will distribute the offering. And then after that offering has passed you by, we'll invite you to stand and we're going to continue to worship the Lord together. Can I, can I tell you something? Th this is not just a... a motivational moment I honestly believe this is a sacred moment because this is a moment that could change things for our church and I believe even more it's a moment that could change things for you and so father in this moment we entrust this to you Lord we thank you for the strength that you've given to us and Lord for whatever reason you favored us to be in the right place at the right time to be your people to be a part of what you're doing here at Calvary Church. And so, Lord, we thank you that we get to do this. We get to be a part of moving your kingdom forward. And as we serve and as we give, we believe that we are going to see life change happen as we entrust this to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, you may serve.
And so, Father, we give ourselves to you. We give this church to you. We give these gifts to you. Lord, that as we look to the future, God, we are so thankful that we get to be a part of the church to help people experience freedom and confidence through Jesus Christ. Lord, would you use these gifts? Would you use our lives to accomplish your purpose as we put our hope and our trust in you? Now, God, as we go from here, would you go with us? Father, we ask that you'd send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen.